tonight on Real Sports. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. It's time for a very special podcast where we've brought together all of your favorite uh, co-hosts from all of the various Pointless Exercise podcasts. So joining me here is the uh, uh, Remember This Crap co-host, Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Happy New Year, Andy. Good. Good to be here. Our, uh, David Brown. Yeah, Hall of Fame voter, David Brown from our baseball podcast. David, how are you? Hi, Andy. I'm doing great. I can't wait to reminisce. <laughs> Glad to have you. And both of the Mike P's from the football podcast, actor, comedian, Mike Pusateri and Mike Presnell. Guys, how are you? I'm in a, I'm in a reminiscent mood. Merry New Year. So we did this last year. It was a lot of fun. We decided we'd do it again. We even have an extra person. So that makes it even better. And I don't remember what we did last time. It was that much fun. Uh, so I thought what we would start with is just uh, what are we going to remember 2023 for? Anybody anybody want to volunteer? They're just they're hmm. searing memories from this wonderful year. And I, I feel like someone from the Remember This Crap podcast should. It's way too recent for us. Um, <laughs> now, if you're going to ask us, what do we remember about 1983? <laughs> okay, let's start right. there. Guys, guys, everybody here covers the current teams. I'm here for the Bob Avellini and Mike Vale references. So, yeah. Hobie Dietrich. You're just here to look up whether Bob Thomas missed an extra point. <laughs> the, the gift that keeps on giving. Every time we go yep. back to a game from the 80s or late 70s, Bob I thought of a good transition. Oh, go ahead, David. Uh, Mike Donahue mentioned uh, Bob Avellini, and his name came up on Twitter today because the Browns are on the verge of starting their fifth quarterback, and they're going to make the playoffs. It's the first time since Ooh. the 84 Bears. Mm. Avellini was one of those dudes. Wow. Name them all. Rusty List, Jim McMahon, uh, Avellini, and Steve Fuller, they have four, and then Greg Landry. That's Greg Landry. Wow. Greg Landry. So I thought maybe that would like turn us into what we think – whatever the hell's going on with the bears right now well, you know you can uh, go down to that rabbit hole and you connect bob avalini to mike phipps who we all should recall was the other quarterback chosen in the first round of the 69 draft which the bears famously lost on a coin flip uh, and didn't get terry bradshaw mike phipps yeah was the other one but i always thought it was because they beat mike the steelers from, uh, for their sole win yes from Not, purdue I, mike I, Yes, thank you. Let's, let's make sure we credit it. Get the plug <laughs> Cradle of quarterbacks, let's not forget. when we bring it was. Well, Even to David Braz's Herman. point, though, didn't the win necessitate the coin toss? Correct. The only win and of they the lost, season. They wouldn't have been a coin toss. Which was at Wrigley Field. They crushed the Steelers 38-9. to It also wouldn't have mattered. I'm Honestly, it's, it's pure revision. It's because the Bears were absolutely... Um, at some horrible depths, the Steelers had begun to turn it around. Joe Green and Bradshaw actually would not become a good quarterback for several years, actually. They, you know, so, but it's fun to speculate, I guess. 
So what do we think is happening with Justin Fields? I saw some stats, and they're not great. I mean, I've seen the plays, the individual plays that he's made, and it's intriguing. But I combine the stats that he's accumulated and the fact that Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, you know, and I don't even have to finish that thought. Um, is he going to – since they appear to be staying, is he even – does he even have a chance to develop? You know, I think the stats that you reference, I'm not as in-depth, but a lot of the guys will cite the fact that in his third year, he's behind so many quarterbacks. And I think, well, they're equally convinced that that means that it's sort of us. I think Fields is unique, though. I think he really is the exception of, of so many factors, not the least of which is the historical ineptitude of Bears management to begin with. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, sure. we, we had a rather lengthy discussion about this on the, the Bears pod this week. And it's really he's a victim of them. There would if the bear if if the Panthers had won like four games this year, five I guess five games this year, there would be no conversation. That pick wouldn't right. be one or two. It's going to be one, um, and they wouldn't be in a position to draft one of those two quarterbacks. He would just be the quarterback. You know he's he's established himself as a bona fide starting caliber NFL quarterback, which. Uh, over the last 50 years, the Bears have not enjoyed much of that. Right. Uh, so it really just comes down to um, what do you think his ceiling really is? And then we talked, I <clears throat> I prattled on a long time about you have to figure out what you have to pay him. You know, it's, well, the unfortunate thing about wasting that first season with Nagy is he's three years in now, not two. You get one more cheap year, and then you have to decide really this year if you're going to pay him the $25 million two years from now. And if you do that, you're really locked in then because you're, you're not taking a quarterback this year then if you're going to keep him, which means he's your quarterback for the next six or seven years, and he's like a, he's probably conservatively a $30 million quarterback then. So his timing <laughs> for Justin, he's stuck in, a, in an awkward spot. I'm curious, Andy, that scenario you described that if Carolina not had a, a, a so-called lottery pick uh, or whatever, would, wouldn't they still need to make a decision going into next season about locking him up, and how would that roll into it? I mean, Well, I think they would, but it would be really hard to make a case if you weren't picking first or second that you could get a quarterback as good or potentially better than him. So you'd have to so lock him up So then you'd be like, then, well, right? we can't do any better than this. Why would we fuck with this? Yeah, but why, why do we operate under the assumption, though, that you have to draft within the first five picks to get a franchise quarterback? I mean, the evidence doesn't support no such thing. You could roll with Fields in 2024, and you'll have two first-rounders next year. I mean, good quarterbacks, you know, this year for playoff teams, you got Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, Lamar Jackson, he was 32nd, Dak Prescott, 135th overall, Jalen Hurts, 53rd. Joe Flacco, 18th, Russell Wilson, 75th, and plenty of bad quarterbacks have been drafted number one. Bryce Young, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold was number three. The great Mitch Trubisky, we should never forget, was number two overall. Mitch, Mitch could still work out. He, he might he might be okay. <laughs> Steelers. There's, there's no reason. Steelers are still alive, yes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no reason that, that – there's no to me, there's no evidence that you have to draft one of these two guys as if these two guys are that just brings it back to dave's original point about the numbers though like as much as we can ascribe all of those uh qualities to herd and purdy and all that i I think their numbers might rank better than fields so i don't know i I leave that open but i think there's a reason 
for their success. I and I, I listened to your podcast last night. I mean, you make points. I mean, he still, yeah, he does things you've never seen before. But yeah. I don't know. I I don't put it on fields his his faults. I put it on the fact that his whole yeah. progress has been is we're kind of alluding to just sort of stat you know sort of stuttered from the beginning. Absolutely right. And the decision has to be made on what you think he's going to do, not what he's done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pay for like Jason. Like, sounds like Jason Hayward. <laughs> well, just do that. Then just pay him like a great, pay him like a great player, and he will become a great player. That's what the before overtime in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I mean that Jason Hayward would have come in really handy for the Niners in the Super Bowl against the Ravens when they had the power outage. Right. Yeah. That that was a, that was a game that yes. was in need of a of a weight room speech. Maybe he did. Maybe he gave it to the Ravens. We didn't know he was there. Well, I kind of I, I think Mike P and Mike D both have two good points. You know, Mike P's point being uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May aren't necessarily the guys, and they're not necessarily the only guys you could pick to be that quarterback that leads you. So I'm not sure if the the Bears by locking up. Uh, Justin, or just going that way, or going some other way, are ignoring the answer to the question by, you know, not going for that first pick in the draft and making a cornerback. I'm not sure that uh, that person is there. I'm not sure that they could do anything with that person if they got him. And uh, Justin uh, does do some things, you know, on the, on the field that lots of guys don't do, and you should be able to work with that. I I, I can see a, a scenario where maybe um, the, the right coaches and the right attitude and the right play calls will make him a better player. And I, you know, I, I think um, I, I, you know, I, I, the, the stats haven't been great even when he's been better lately, but again, like other people have said, maybe we can blame the bears for that. Yeah. Yes, for sure. There, there are a lot of ways you can, you can go and you could, most of them are bad. <laughs> <laughs> rest much, assured yeah. the bears can screw this up regardless of how they of which path they decide to take they can drive oh, right into the ditch that's with him sure. or without him so yep we've got that going for us which is nice oh, maybe we'll get lucky this time does anybody have a good um rationalization as to why Eberflus is still going to be the coach go ahead mike d I, I just feel he uh, – it seems weird because he was all but gone, it felt like, after the Denver game and before the Reds, uh, Washington game. They're 7-5 uh, since then. They play for him. Yep. And, uh, and it's, it is it is hard. He, and he's like somehow when he lost uh, the Porty guy, his defensive coordinator, Alvin, what was that? <laughs> whatever that was, is that even true what it was? Am I slandering him? I don't know. When he had to actually focus Just on don't the defense, don't slander Jimmy the, Kimmel. I don't want to get when he, no, no. When he, but like he like the defense turned it around. Now, granted, it probably coincided with the arrival of Montez Sweat. Um, but I don't know. Like I, 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 I feel funny saying this considering where I felt three months ago. But I just, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that uh, he should be fired. Sounds crazy to say. You don't hear that a lot, but. You make a point. I know. I have no problem with them bringing the flus back. 
No, me neither. No problem. You have no problem. I have no it. problem. Now, no. that doesn't mean that a year from now, I'm going to think, all right, this is the guy, you know, next year is this Ricky Renneria year, right? <laughs> Got to prove it. You know, those, it's a, you're giving out what everybody thinks is going to be a playoff team. And if you don't make it, then you're out. And we'll bring, that's when we'll bring in the new guy. But yeah, they We're played for him. The defense has played no? really well. I, it's not, it's a big part of it is sweat, but it's also that after that Denver game is about the time his entire secondary decided to get healthy and actually play. True. And they're right. good. Um, but he's done a really good job with that defense. And he, he danced around the question yesterday, but it, it does sound like he's just going to stay the defensive coordinator next year. He's not going to, they're not going to hire a defensive coordinator. They'll, they'll hire another defensive assistant, but he's still going to call the defense because he, he hemmed and hawed. And then he said, well, you know, I really like to do it, which to me meant I'm just, I do. I do do think polls had some, uh, had some capital to blow if he wanted to, it was his first hire. Uh, Eberflus as much as the team rallied around him still blew three games in historic fashion. I feel like if they had won one of those three games, they'd be playing for a playoff spot. And now he's definitely staying. If that happens. Right. I feel like so, every every time we talk about you know the flus, it seems to me like the reasons for keeping him are, are pretty similar to the ones we heard for keeping David Ross. You know, he has a respect of the locker room. The guys play hard for him. Uh, the team improved from the year before. He's a good guy. He represents the organization. It's all very similar to what to David Ross. Well, we've we've mentioned Ross and Renteria now. I suppose if there was a, some eight hundred pound gorilla, I, and Dandy, I know how you feel about Jim Harbaugh. I'm not. That wouldn't happen. In- Anyway, because he's way too. Is there anybody even out there that would suddenly make you change course? And so it wouldn't not not only would it not is that not even work in football? Like it's not bringing Joe Madden, right? Joe, right. Play, Joe, Joe Madden coached the Bears. Joe played football in college. Tell you, Belichick yeah. is he too old? You know, Belichick's available. Like with that, I'm just throwing it out. I'm not even being serious. I don't even know what the deal is, or if he's way too old, or what. But that'd be the only scenario. It's like you don't fire him just because he pissed you off this year. You have it have to be a David Ross, uh, Rick Renteria situation where you suddenly found a, an opportunity to bring in somebody that would take you to the next level. I don't uh, know if it works. You, as you mean like you mean like Tony Larusa is or Tony Larusa? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what the Sox did the opposite. They, yeah. they, they did what Renteria. Renteria got whacked because they had Madden. The Sox whacked Renteria, and then they sat around for a while and then decided to hire him. It was the most ridiculous decision. But how have they never hired Harold Baines? Well, maybe they did, and Harold just never spoke up about it. That's true. He's in the dugout, just nobody knows. Is that that his statue? That's Harold. (laughs) Put a mirror under his nose and see if he fogs it up. (laughs) Well, I think the David Ross thing is a – I mean, I don't want to say it's a good comparison, but it's it's a good comparison. And the same thing should happen next year, where if you don't make it, somebody else. Thank you, you, Matt, for – you know, the first season they gave, they basically took all his players away from him. Some of them, while, like, it was almost like they were taking guys off the field while he was using them. All right, Roquan, mm-hmm. why don't we, right. where's Roquan? Oh, he's a Baltimore? Oh, we still got a big play, yep. Bob, Bob Quinn. Quinn. Oh, oh, he's gone too. Um, he was just, he had to be the good soldier the first year. Lost 11 in a row to finish it. So this is really his first year of coaching, like, a football team. He got off to a terrible start. And then they've been pretty good since then. But that doesn't mean that next year, if this team isn't doesn't, you have to take that next step. If you don't take it, somebody else gets to coach in twenty twenty five. Do you do you look at him? Does anybody look at him and go, "This is a guy that I think 
can lead the Bears to a Super Bowl victory. I can't see it now, but you never know. I mean, they probably mm-hmm. think, people don't think about that about Bill Belichick in 1998 either. Right. Well, sure. Yeah, fair enough. They, seem very, saying, and they seem very similar yeah. to me. Intellectually. <laughs> yeah. He kept Belichick kind of got laughed out of Cleveland. He took him to the playoffs once, but it was like kind of he kind of failed out with them. And you know, I don't know. Like you're you're not that until you are. So yeah, no, you're right, Mike. I mean, I don't see it today. And I I took as many shots at the guy a few months ago. And I mean, look at that. But just look at him. You know, when they're I mean, we're all games, but... we're all too young. And Praz wasn't even around. <laughs> um, what if we what if we were in this podcast? It after the like in during the 1983 season, and we're like, would you look at this crazy fucker with the with the orange hair and the perm who's punching lockers in Baltimore? Yep. Is this That's ass? Do we really think this asshole is ever going to win a Super Bowl? And he's I've the most a... revered coach in city history with the one and, and, Super and of Bowl. Course, and he's not, of course, he's never a great coach. But I used to always say he was the perfect coach for the '85 team, a team that was just oozing with talent. They just needed somebody to kind of yell at him. And whip him around and all that, and it took Ditka a little bit, and he almost burned himself out. But that, that's an excellent comp, and that respect well, that you and, know, and not just that wasn't the exact opposite feeling being had about Wani when he was hired by the Bears. Like, oh, yeah. here's this top assistant from Jimmy Johnson's staff that seems like the next great coach in waiting. That's how dumb we are. So, we were like, when the Bears yeah. got him instead of the Giants, we were like, oh, we're on our way now. <laughs> Now we can't get rid of the son of a bitch. He's on every post game show. He's on everything. I mean, it's like we all forgot a what a disaster he was. Now he's an expert. Like people weren't anti Ditka because he had a lot of cash it because of his time as a player and he had been entertaining as hell in those two years. I mean, Eberflus is is very drab on top of it. But when the Bears were losing Ditka, that's where the whole there's your IQ, buddy. That was like eighty two, eighty three, I believe. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that Ditka you know, broke his hand punching a locker. And, I think what Dick like did is the bear, you know, the Bears were in such a melee throughout the seventies, right? And he was, like, he was he was the for decades, right? And he was the guy decades, was, yeah. for for the he was the opposite of that. He was the guy who was like, okay, there's a guy who finally has some fire, gets it, and cares. But they had talent, and that's the point. I think but it's he, like that's the thing that's I don't know about this Bears team and that one that Fink's built, like all of a sudden, like they you know, they were just a few players away. But as Dick will remind you, there came a time when when I was the guy with the fire and the passion, you said that was the wrong thing. No, 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 that's me. No, 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 no. Don't crap me, man. No, no, no. Tell me not. Tell me, sweet man. <laughs> Missed that segment. I was a two-time caller. Who you crapping? Congratulations. You want to reenact them? Bobby Cox, when he dissed Ryan Sandberg in 96, I got to call a hillbilly wife beater, and Dan McNeil was like, oh, the gloves are off. <laughs> Oh, that predated Mark, 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 Mark Lemke was a better defensive second base than Ryan Sandberg ever was. That actually predated Boers and Bernstein. It went all the way back to Mack and Boers. Yeah. Goes all the way back wow. to the first season of the score when Ditka yep. popped Boers with it in 92, I think. Yeah, I was pretty oh. quick. It was, I mean, I was 96. It had been on for a few years by then. How did that come up that Lemke was a better defensive second baseman than Ryan? Because they were heading into the World Series uh, in '96. Couch was just hyping him up, and he met. He just I don't know. He had a bug in his ass about like a lot of people did because I don't know because like Sandberg was like like just so good and did it effortlessly. I don't know why. But uh, and I think also Sandberg was living in fumes then. Came out of retirement. Maybe like maybe not just Joel Morgan had resented that, but. Uh, you know, he wasn't wanting to go gloves anymore, but for some reason, like, he just 
Cox decided to just you know say how much better than Sandberg Lemke. It was hyperbole, it was hype, but I had to call it. It was crap. I had to be called out on it. Good job. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> so there was there's an article in the Athletic today about uh, that David Simon from the Wire immediately jumped on and debunked. It was it's about this guy who about this guy in uh, Baltimore who uh, got thrown in jail for being an accessory to murder. Uh, he was a drug dealer, and his nickname was Bird. And in the story, they claimed that the character Bird from The Wire was based on him. And Simon immediately said, uh, no. And a nice fact-checking. You could have called me, the guy who wrote it. I would have told you that, no, that's not true. But the, I'm reading it, and <laughs> he the la- he was talking about the whole story is about the fact the guy finally got paroled, and he got special permission because he was a Baltimore Colts fan. And they, when he went to jail, they were still the Baltimore Colts. He got special permission to go to drive to, or take a bus to Indianapolis and go see a Colts game. And in it, it said that his last Colts game in Baltimore before he got locked up was an overtime win over the Bears. And I'm like, that's the game where Dicker broke his head. Punch the locker. Yep. The, the one where you broke the lamp with the stuffed football? Yep. Boy, that's amazing that you. I also thought of that. I'm like, ooh, that means it's been like 40 years. 40 years since I broke that lamp. That was early. You know, it's a good cop. That was early in Ditka's second year. And uh, you know, he did bring the fire and the passion, but they were still a last place team in 82. But it was a nine game strike shortened season. So they actually were alive for the playoffs till the last game. But uh, they got off to a slow start. They had back to back overtime losses, one in New Orleans uh, to the Saints and then to the Colts. So they stumbled, uh, and Ditka, yeah, broke his hand punching a locker in Baltimore. Um, but they fit it. They were just like this team. I swear, look it up. There are some comps, uh, and I, I've been thinking about it the last few days. Obviously, if you're an optimist, you're thinking about it because that marked the ascension of the only true golden era of our lifetime for the Bears. But uh, you know, you do see. I do see some parallels. Well, and that's. I mean, that's got to get you excited. Then Sunday, Bears Packer game is on CBS. And that was week 16 and 80. I started to turn this into who you crapping, but yes. that's how the 83 season ended. Bart Starr had a chance. The Packers had made the playoffs the year before in the strike shirts when a bunch of teams made it, but they had not made it since like one year or a few years after Lombardi. They they were in a dark age of their own, and they had given Bart Starr about seven or eight years right. as coach. And if the Packers had beaten the Bears, they would have legitimately made the playoffs that year, and Bart would, uh, Starr would have kept his job. But uh, the Bears came back late, and the aforementioned and Bob Thomas actually succeeded in putting one through the uprights. But yeah, young Jim McMahon like was healthy. Like the Bears were showing what they would become. Uh, so they they had just been eliminated. Like the, this Bears team was, and they knocked out the Packers. The only difference was it was at Soldier Field, not Lambeau. Well, so hey, many, the po- I was going to say there's so many so- parallels because um, the la- we talked about the last time the Bears won at Lambeau was the was the Brett Favre jersey retirement night when Jay 2015. And that was like Bart Starr's last public appearance. They propped him up against the goalpost, and he was so shocked by Jay not throwing an interception that he died right on the field. I think I don't remember, but it's something. Like that. He's still alive, but Brett Favre is still alive. Bart Starr is not still alive. Yeah, Bart Starr is no longer with us. Oh, he is. I'm no. sorry. I guess I missed no. it. Or I just haven't remembered it. All right. The, is Bart Starr still alive? I think he's gone too. <laughs> The, the, the parallels to 83 are all coming together. Who won the NFC Central that year? Detroit Lions. Uh, the, uh, ah, yeah, the, the, the uh, Billy Sims at running back. Gary Daniels. Eric, Almost Eric beat the 49ers. Is that, is that, is that they did. 
They did. In fact, Dave, that game's on YouTube. Eddie Murray missed a kick that would have sent them to the conference title game, which would have been, you know, uh, one of their only two victories since 57, right. since the, the when they when they blitzed uh, Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys in 91, that still remains their only playoff victory since 57. Just funny, because when that happened, everyone was like, we were in college, most of us. Whereas, again, you weren't even born. But when the Lions won their one playoff game in 91 with Barry Sanders and uh, future Bear Eric Kramer, it was like, wow, the Lions haven't won a playoff game in 34 years. And guess what? That was like, what, 33 years ago? I saw something on Twitter a few weeks ago that uh, someone made a joke saying, and this turned out to be true, John F. Kennedy has only not been alive for one Lions playoff. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, he was their good luck charm. Exactly. <laughs> Big Lions fan. People didn't know that. Well, Patriots were probably shit back then, so yeah. yeah <laughs> now when he was a senator. Right. It's an 82 Bears-Lions game, one of my favorite Bears quote ever from the book. McMahon, with an exclamation point, where he quotes Jay Hilgenberg, and it's 1982. Hilgenberg stands on the sidelines, Bears are getting their ass kicked by the Lions, and he tells somebody, just randomly, he's like, we're the worst team in the NFL, and I don't play. I'm the worst player in the NFL. <laughs> Alright, so what was the most surprising thing that happened? In 2023, I will, I will submit that it is, I you could have knocked me over with a feather when this happened. I was completely blindsided. David Ross, David Ross getting fired by yeah, the Cubs. Definitely, yeah. Could, no I, I just stared at my. I was get people were tweeting at me in celebration, and I couldn't tell what they were excited about because it just did not dawn on me that that was a possibility at all. And then it happened. And the Cubs have just gone with that, and they have run, man. They can't improve this team fast enough. Yeah. yeah. Got the entire population of Japan on the Cubs now. You know, more than one person pointed out as soon as Council was like, well, yeah, I hope that the Americans don't look at this as like, wow, you did so much with so little in Milwaukee. Yep. Do it again here. You know, and then we were kind of reassured, no, no, no. Council would not have taken the job unless you knew he'd get some real resources. But – yeah, what do you think? Well, looking back now, what was that conversation with Jed? You know, was it like um, they just, hey, Craig, how would you like to make eight million dollars a year for five years? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, and then sounds good to me. And then later, like, oh, by the way, Jed, what are we, uh, what, what, what are we looking for improving the team? We're not. Oh, well, I still get the eight million a year for five years. <laughs> I'm fine. Whatever. I'm good. I'm not moving. I'm, I'm still, I'm still living in McQuanago or wherever the fuck. I'm not. I'm not. I actually might. That might have been it. I mean, that we're joking, but I, that might have been it. I mean, it was we know now and kind of knew before that it was council's uh, desire to advance not only his own salary but that of any manager. You know, the, the bar was way too low for for anybody. So I think that was. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if they lied to him about who they were going to get or if it wasn't <laughs> that important to him to ask because he was getting the money. But I think. You know, the, the big salary was uh, huge for him. Well, and, and also, Dave, complain about it. That... Like in, in this particular situation, and I don't know where around Milwaukee he lived. He's south suburbs or what? But it, it's a, it's it's such a minimally disruptive move uh, comparatively, you know, to any other job in baseball because he already lives 
Like he's not necessarily even needing to up uproot his family, is he? Do we even know? I mean, no, I think he's just going to get like a no. condo by Wrigley Field. Right? He's, he's well, going to have a he, he's just going to put a cot like, in the office. A little stabbing cabin, cabin in Lakeview. Stabbing in Lakeview, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, maybe you know you've got your other place there, Buena Park. You know, you know, someone at the <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna. I'm an Airbnb. In fact, I got I got to talk in about an hour. So yeah, let's free this up. There we go. So, but like, so I don't know. It's a weird thing to talk about. But in that situation, I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. Like, if you live, if you're a if you're a Cubs fan that actually lives, say, like in Waukegan or whatever. Like, considering um, you know how unmodern Wrigley Field is and the parking situation, like, you're it's actually literally easier to go to Brewers games at some point, even in Illinois. So I don't know where he lives, but I do, you know. The, the money obviously makes a huge difference, but especially when he doesn't maybe have to move them halfway across the country. Well, in 2001 and 2002, I had Brewer season tickets because it's it's super easy to get there from here. Yeah. And we just picked the package with right. most Cub games, and then we would just go up for we got a twenty we had a twenty game package with a parking pass, and I paid three hundred bucks. Wow! What year? Good deal. 2001, 2002. Tickets were ten oh, bucks a game. Year. And then I split the parking pass. It was amazing. That's nice. nice. <laughs> and I had to watch the, you know, surrounded by, well, and I, I was going to say surrounded by Brewer fans. I wasn't. I wasn't surrounded. We weren't surrounded by anybody. We can sit wherever the fuck we wanted. I mean, there was a sellout for opening day. President Bush was there. Um, Sean Casey hit a home run. Sean Casey, the uh, Sean Casey hit the first home run at Miller Park and at PNC Park within really? like, within days of each other. Oh wow! Um, and then for the rest of the time, you pretty much we could pick our seat, we could do whatever we wanted. It was you know, it was pretty good. We went to the uh, that's how I got my All Star tickets in two thousand two, so I could watch the tie. And uh, watch Bud Selig shrug. Oh, we could see it. We we saw that whole thing unfolding. We're like, my friend Charlie and I were looking at the scoreboard and we're like, both teams are basically out of pitchers. And then you could literally see Bud behind the whole plate doing the with his his arms (laughs) in the air. Like, now what do we do? And I'm like, oh man, I said, they're just going to have to quit. And Charlie's like, oh, bullshit. I'm like, no, I said, you watch. And they made the announcement that if nobody scored in that inning, the game was over, that it would be a tie and everybody booed. Did, did you get to go to the Derby that year too, yeah. or went to the nice. Futures game? Got... He sopped Choi hit a home run in the Futures game. Nice. <laughs> yeah, the Derby was uh, that Derby was amazing. It was um, uh, the fi- the finals. I think were Bonds and Giambi, and we were in right field, and we're like, oh, we're gonna get all. It kept. We were way back in right field. They hit everything over our head. We didn't have a chance to catch anything. Ah. But uh, for the first part of the Derby, the 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 big doors the garage doors the back of the airplane hang or the big barn they've got up there were open and sammy was hitting balls into the bouncing them off the concourse into the parking lot absolute bombs well oh this is oh two i feel like if you were to really analyze it's probably like peak yes oh it's the height of the steroid era everybody juiced there right and that was the first that was the first year what a show was juiced up right or at least the second he was huge yeah yeah oh one he started well 73 he had a one and or yeah he had 73 and oh one okay so yeah he was he was all belcoed up he was ready to go that 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 sounds clear he was ready Incredibly entertaining, but ironically, the most impressive thing we saw was uh, 
Vladimir Guerrero wasn't in the Derby, but in batting practice. I don't know if you picture Miller Park and in left field, the old TGI Fridays out there, and now it's some oh, yeah. restaurant. Vlad was hitting line drives that were hit were hitting the windows on the way up. Just line drive after line drive. It just it's batting practice. People are only half paying attention, and all of a sudden it got like weirdly quiet in there, and everybody's just like staring at the balls just smashing off the window. And then everybody went nuts. It was pretty cool. And then I it's funny, we talk about this with shit all the time. I remember this crap. I distinctly remember watching Edgar Martinez take batting practice and watching him just progressively hit balls one to the right of it all, all the way around the field. He wasn't an all-star in two thousand two. He wasn't there. You just there and put out a clinic? No. no, he wasn't there. I didn't see it there. Oh, oh. I saw it at a I saw it at a Sox game. But in my mind, wait, I I, I thought you had said that about Ichiro. Maybe you're getting was, your Mariners confused. Well, this was Edgar. I saw Edgar. Okay. Edgar. And you are such a precise Ichiro used to do it, pre- but I saw Edgar do it precise in person, But I didn't see him do it at Miller Park like I thought I did. Misremember this crap mm-hmm. should be called. Misremember <laughs> this there's crap. A lot, there's a lot of that. Half, half remember this crap is shit. Yeah, it's like 50%. Well, Dave, what are your thoughts on the on state of free agency? I mean, not just with the Cubs, but, you know, there was all this talk. Obviously, the Dodgers have made the big signings. A lot of fans are complaining. Oh, it's, you know. I'm a little the, bored like everyone else, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't know if there should be anything done about it. Like, should we have a transfer window or a countdown or that kind of stuff? Just because I think that puts, you know, pressure on the players to, all right, make a decision and that'll keep the salaries down. And I'm a big, you know, pro union, get the money away from the owners kind of guy. So I don't yeah. know that, um, that that would make it any better. I just think we need to kind of be a little patient with what's going on. It is kind of surprising and it makes me wonder you know i don't have any speaking of like defaming people i don't know if there's like collusion going on but i've wondered that before in other off seasons where things have been slow and obviously to a degree i mean they're handing out you know absolutely huge contracts to some Mm -hmm. players but the uh as people sort of predicted the middle guys kind of get squeezed a little bit and uh we got to wait and see um so i you know i think it's i understand why people are kind of uh, antsy for it to pick up again but uh i've just you know it will i mean we i'm not sure when that's all well didn't the padres and they they signed he sucks too yesterday didn't they i thought that was his name i would assign if, if there's a guy out there named he sucks too i will sign him i would want that guy in my bullpen <laughs> Think of the or, or the old sell. The, the old Cubs joke about win one soon. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, he yeah. was on, he was on the, the 2012 Cubs. I remember I had to write about him for the athletic. Yes. <laughs> well, and the Padres are, you know, making news, or they did, for, uh, you know, needing to borrow money to make payroll late in the mm-hmm. season. But they're still spending a minimal amount of money. It's not – I think uh, – I can't remember the guy's actual name, and I don't want to call him. He sucks too. But uh, – <laughs> It's like $2 million a year or something Suck like that. Suck is his middle name. And we know that. Because right. I, I immediately went, oh, I, that's, I love that name. It's great. great. So it's not a huge amount of money. Go suck you. That is we got, <laughs> it's not it either. Uh, but, uh, and I don't even remember my point anymore. Oh, yeah. it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are people signing. It's just that that it, he isn't a, he's a funny name and a fun name, but just it's not a lot of money, whatever he's getting. 
two or three million. The Padres are in a little bit of a weird position because didn't their owner just die this past offseason? That too. And yeah, so there's no one really knows what their financial situation is. Yeah, it's uh, it depends on. Uh, I mean, they're they're not nameless, but they're less known than their motives are less known than what they had going before. AJ Preller is always. I'm, there's a guy I'm surprised in a way he still got a job. I mean, I, I thought a couple times they were going to come get him, but um, you know, so he's he's still interested in making moves. But it, there there is some kind of. Uh, I mean, they're not spending like they did before. The the owner before was very uh, altruistic, and you know, let's get a World Series for the Padres and their fans. And these people uh, who run the team now are probably a little more looking at the bottom line than that. I mean, I would think Cub fans are obviously we're irritated. We want them to do something, but people won't really freak out until Cody Bellinger signs somewhere else. Right. If that happens, yeah. all <laughs> shit will hit the fan everywhere. Right. Right. Which is why if Especially he, if he signs the... somewhere else, I want him to sign somewhere else on the Friday night at Cup Convention. <laughs> oh God! Right in the right in the middle of Tom Ricketts giving his little speech too. That'd be great. Right in the middle of Ryan Dempster's fake talk show. That's what I want oh, to have. Oh God! <laughs> and I want him to sign with the Cardinals <laughs> during the Cup Convention. Would be great. If it were to happen, I can't agree more. That's how it made us happen. If it were to happen, it is funny. You know, we we were kind of joking today on the, on the twitters about. Um, you know what? What panicked move will the Cubs make before next? It's, it's next Friday. It's a week from no. Yeah, it's a week mm. from Friday, right? Yep. No, it's, weeks, it's Martin Luther King. It's a weekend before Martin Luther King, so it's a week from Friday. What panicked move will they make so they have some news? Yeah, and, and also the, by the way, the 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 balance of season ticket holder uh, payments are due like on the sixteenth or seventeenth. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> Is that so, right? Yes. So they they have a couple things motivating them to do something. Um, Andy, was there ever? I think I've asked you this before, but was there? Uh, thinking back to the uh, Bellinger negotiations when they first brought him in, was there ever a possibility that they could have avoided this, at least for this year, and signed him to a longer deal? Was that ever possible? I mean, I've made that point that the Cubs had far more leverage than they used last year. And people are like, no, he wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have signed. Yeah, I get all this stuff immediately. So Boris wouldn't do that. It's like, who? where else was he going last year? I mean, the market for him was not good. And yeah. the Cubs really had, like, everything going for them. They had um, they had a wide-open center field, so he knew he was going to play every day no matter how bad he sucked. They had his old hitting coaches from the Dodgers. They had a park that's good to hit in. He, want, he wants very much to um, – work out at the at whatever team's facility all winter so this talk about him going to the blue jays he doesn't want to train in florida he wants to train in arizona like really bad there is it i guarantee you the reason the cubs didn't sign him for two years was because they didn't think it was they didn't they weren't confident enough it was they were going to make it work they didn't want to get stuck with him for a second year and then he goes out and he has you know he's you know he's a borderline mvp season and they're like oh shit maybe we should have got him for two years oops I think they could have. I think they, I think they didn't push for it, and then Boris was like, "Well, fine, we'll get him, get him guaranteed money, and hopefully he has a better year." And it worked. Um, I still think that he. I think he wants to come back. 
but he's not going to. But he, he's not going to do it. And Boris certainly isn't going to do the like, hometown discount crap. Like right. the but, Cubs might be able to get him for a little bit less than another team, but not a significant amount less than another team. And I think the way this is going to end, I'm, I still think they're going to end up with it because they, they frankly, they're running out of options for anything else. Yeah, they're going to have to hold their nose and go an extra year or so more than they want. And Boris is going to have to go. All right, fine. If you really want to do this, do it. I think that's I think that's how it ends up with him coming back to the Cubs. If he doesn't come back, I don't know what they do because the the team they have they were they won eighty three games last year, didn't make the playoffs, or eighty two, didn't make the playoffs. The team they have right now is significantly worse than that. They need him yeah. just to get back close to par with last year. It's not great. The the one saving grace, I still think they could do this. I think the Cubs could call up my Uncle Larry and Uncle Paul with the Guardians and say, "Look, you you guys can't make payroll because you don't get you're not getting your TV money. So here's take some of our vaunted minor leaguers, and uh, we want Jose Ramirez and Emmanuel Classe and uh, Justin Bieber's brother." <laughs> one stop shopping for three of your needs right there. Then go add another bat and show up at spring training and see if you can win the mighty central. I think you might be able to get uh class A and class B and maybe uh B Bay. Uh but I don't know if you're gonna get Jose Ramirez. I think he's mm. kind of locked up for some not crazy no, he's money. Cheap. I looked it up. He doesn't make enough. He only they only owe him like eighty eight million dollars for the next like five years. I mean, that's a sweet right. deal there, but they're cheap as hell. So they are. I I mean, you, if somebody tempts you with Nick Madrigal, how can you say no? <laughs> right. They, they are cheap as hell, but the thing that kind of scares me about Cleveland is they are one of the few organizations that when they let a guy go, he doesn't normally stay all that great much longer than yeah, that. I mean, you, you look at Corey Kluber yeah, but you know who the key to that was. You know who the big brain over there was in those days. It was, <laughs> Carter, it was Carter Hawkins. And oh, the Cubs have him. Carter Hawkins, yeah. The Guardians are they're like they're just they're <clears throat> pissing in the dark over there. They they don't know what's going on without Carter around to steady the ship. Look at the big brain on Carter. <laughs> yeah. He certainly has his big head. Hopefully there's a big brain rattling around in there. I don't think so. All right, so anything other than David Ross that strikes you as a as like holy shit, I can't believe that happened last year. Yeah, I forgot I was, That's, and that was it. What was the biggest surprise? I don't I was, have an yeah. answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be one big ass, but like I don't know if anything on the Bears surprised us. Uh, I know we don't really go too deep on the Bulls, but I think anyone following them might be surprised that one of the better players' uh, absence seemed to trigger uh, a lot of success, which seems counterintuitive. Yeah. That I I don't I don't follow hoops like I used to, but uh, it seems to me that Zach Levine was you know an above average ball player that somehow the Bulls played better without him. Is that still true? By the way, is that is, is yeah that, they're beating the, this is their last game without him and they're beating the shit out of the Knicks on ABC. How about that? Oh, it's on ABC, real live network yeah. TV on a Wednesday on a school night. Wow, hey uh, kids might not be back in school yet because New Year's was uh, on a Monday. The figure of speech, no, but. Wow, it's still that's pretty wild. It is kind of holiday-ish feeling, but still, it's yeah. it's not. It's kind of surprising, and it's not like Zach is one of those guys who's just good enough to get you beat. Like, yeah, he's real flashy. 
he d- I don't want to make a comparison. <laughs> I know where you're going. I immediately with this. thought he was kind of like Justin <laughs> Fields, but it's not because. Oh. Uh, uh, but I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say Ian Happ. <laughs> well, Ian, it, it, he's only flashy because uh, in order to apparently in order to slow down, he has to slide under every fly ball. He has to like, like a softball player, so he can make sure he cradles yeah. it. Um, but Zach does a lot of cool shit. You know, I mean, he's super athletic. Even after his knee surgeries, he's still he's an amazing dunker, and he's got incredible range. But he also um, the ball sticks with him. He doesn't move it. Um, he what's really frustrating about him is he's a terrible defensive player, but he tries. It would be you could forgive it, it would forgive him more if he like didn't give a shit. You'd be like, God, if that guy could ever just get motivated, they motivated him, and he's just terrible. He always ends up in the wrong spot, or he always overcommits. And so they took him out of that, and they realized, you know, hey, the rest of this actually kind of fits together. And then, uh, ironically, they struggle a little bit, and uh, they seem to have come out of it the last, well, tonight. Um, when Nikola Vucevic got hurt, somebody had a stat about they now they keep kind of a hockey assist stat. And without Vuk in there, they're like, second pass assists went way down because he was kind of a key guy to keep the ball moving and get easy shots. And when he got hurt, that kind of stopped. Um, the Bulls will inevitably trade him, but them playing well without him as, uh, and his enormous salary are two things that make the, the likelihood of a big return pretty much nil. So. I mean, in terms of other surprises, a few other surprises, but first of all, Tina Tillman is in the FBI, evidently. Uh, uh, the whole Alan Williams thing, that was a pretty, we kind of, you yeah. know, there's been so much else going on. And we don't talk about this, cover this team for good reason, but the, the team of the South side, losing Rick and Kenny, that was kind of a surprise if you, you know, if you actually, if there was anybody who cared about talking about well, that. But, Kenny, for sure, right? right? He, that was the kind of their, that's their equivalent of Ross. Actually, more than Ross, because he was basically, more, yeah. basically Jerry's, you know, other son. He's like America's it, it was like firing yeah. John Paxson, which you know, Pax had to fire him. did that too. Well, no, mm-hmm. Pax quit basically. Jerry was a good Is that player. right? Yeah. Yeah. Jerry doesn't give a shit enough about the Bulls to actually fire him. <laughs> <laughs> John had to go in and go, I'm going to fire myself. And Jerry's like, Are you still going to pay yourself? He's like, No. Okay, then fine. Go. That's good. Um, Yeah. The, and the Al Williams thing, though. Obviously, it was bad. I mean, he got ushered out. But that whole, that's like one of the most surreal days ever because there was all this, like, news about the FBI. The FBI is at Alan's house. The FBI is is at Hallis Hall. Peanut Tillman is arresting Alan Williams. Peanut is making (laughs) Aberflus cry. And all that stuff was bullshit. The FBI didn't go to Hallis Hall. The FBI didn't go to Alan Williams' house. He did get fired, and he got ushered out of the building. But all that other stuff, some dude on Twitter was making it up and other reporters were like, oh, look at this. And they were just retweeting stuff. So it was so bad. Peanut, we, in the FBI? We, Peanut went through FBI. He's like gone through the FBI training course. I think he was training for, didn't he um, didn't he do the Mackinac Island thing? Didn't he paddle out there? I think he did. <laughs> I don't know. In the actual I'm pretty sure he did. He did the race from Wherever you go, up to the up to the island. I just yeah, remember that Herschel Walker was going to be in the FBI, and I think of that in, in those terms. 
Like, Mr. Walker, uh, told him oh, yeah. he's going to do 50,000 sit-ups and then he's going to be in the FBI because he could do that. And I thought maybe there was some kind of physical feat that Pino was going to do. Wasn't Elvis a DEA agent for Nixon or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> All kinds of fun stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about a little bit, you know, the the cub season was was really weird you know like they got off to they got off to the good start and we're like hey you know they were either pretty good and then they were terrible like just absolutely terrible to the point where like wow well, don't worry about this and they were pretty good again and then they somehow at the end managed to get terrible again <laughs> yeah. it was like four seasons all in one i mean and then there were weird things that would like spur them into like uh, trey mancini crapping all over himself in england Started a started a tailspin that they couldn't get out of. That yeah, that killed a that killed a nice run they'd been on and sent them in the other direction. It's not like it's got Marcus Stroman into a tailspin too. If you look at his numbers since you're right, like after that game, I always felt like there was a story there that didn't get report. Remember, he bought Nintendo Twitches for all the guys for the oh yeah for the plane ride, and then he came up with like this phantom like injury. It was almost like um, was it Joel Zumaya? Didn't he go on the injured list with Nintendo? Hero, I believe. And and Carlos Zambrano used to do that too. He would like he had a gaming computer and he would like he would like screw up his forearm because he would be playing video games too much and he'd he'd have to skip a step yep. once in a while because he had inflamed tendon in his arm for playing video games. And I always wondered, it's like, are we sure that Marcus didn't video game himself to the injured list? Because the huh. timing was like. I was like, well, we know what he was doing for however long that flight to England to London is, and then all of a sudden he comes out of the start early, and he's he was awful from that point on. But didn't he address? Didn't he walk into the press box during a game or something too? Did that happen? Didn't Marcus Stroman do that? Oh, Kent Merker. <laughs> oh. What are you saying? Like, Not he, like that. He left. The, he he went up to the press box. I thought. Yeah, didn't. For some reason, I remember that. Yeah, I have to look it up. Did he? He did not do that, Dave. You've never had any uh, player come visiting you during a press box during the game, you? <laughs> not me. Anybody in uniform? <laughs> not you personally. Next to you in the press box. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is. He did go up to the Strowman. Did go up to the press box. There is a story about that. Um, yep. Mid- open, right? To discuss his rib injury in, in mid-August. Yeah. Right. So that's that what it was. Happened, yeah. But- he was out at the time, I think. I don't think it was. Exactly. That he is not unusual. You'll see he went, players. He went, he apparently, he went and found Sahadem. Talked to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. No, I mean, I, that's the article I see that, oh. that I pulled He's out. Like, Sahadem, would you like to write a 14,000-word a story about me uh, throwing bullpens barefoot? <laughs> sure. I mean, we know whatever... I feel bad for Sahadev with Craig Breslow gone. Who's gonna feed? Who's gonna feed him all the pitching infrastructure bullshit that he would yeah. write reams about? And I would just and I would I would flirt with going on the injured list with by rolling my eyes back in my head while I was trying to read it. <laughs> Thank God. Wait for the Red Sox. That pitching is gonna be amazing now that they have Craig Breslow. Because that guy, oh, there's a guy. Shows you how closely I paid attention. I was not even aware. He's their 
Cubs uh, director of pitching. I didn't know that he'd moved on. Oh yeah, he's the phony, but whatever the general manager title is now in in Boston. He's got oh. he's uh he's gonna fix Lucas Giolito, so that'll be fine. That'll be fine. Well, that was a big signing. You know, we're talking about that no activity going on. Yeah. One year deal for Lucas Giolito. <laughs> and then they traded Chris Sale like forty five minutes later. Yeah. And they're paying they're paying a huge amount of his salary. Seventeen million or something like that. Yep. And then the Red Sox or the Braves are deferring a bunch of it to like twenty thirty five or something, <laughs> the rest of it. You, you can't that? do that. He's gonna make they're less than the league that? minimum this year. From the Braves, because he's getting, you know, he's obviously getting money from the Red Sox. On a contract that wasn't originally theirs, they're allowed to do that? Well, I guess you inherit the contract, then you can restructure it if you want. Or maybe they had, maybe the way it had to work was the Red Sox had to defer it, but then they assumed it. But they, okay. I'm not sure what the rules are on this. But that'll be good. They can, uh, they'll get a good three or four starts out of Chris. And a lot of a lot of quality time in the tub, rehabbing whatever. I hope they don't have a throwback jersey night because it's expensive to, to replace. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> they do have a good one from the seventies, but it's not as pajama-y as the White Sox one that Sale hated. So I don't know if he's going to be. <laughs> it is funny though; he would have looked ridiculous in that. Absolutely, <laughs> kind of see why he did it. I mean, he's a scarecrow anyway. Right, and you put that weird pajama top thing on. It, I don't, it probably would have slipped. I don't think he could have kept it on. He would have gone he right sure through was. the neck hole while he was pitching. It's like, oh, <laughs> hey, he's naked again. Damn it! Time out. The arm slot would have made more sense for his neck. You're right. <laughs> and he's so white that it would basically they have to call time out. Like, no, you're distracting the hitter. You got to put your shirt back on, Chris. It's not fair. <laughs> Well, there's that. Yeah. I guess um, for my surprise, uh, it's – I don't know how much of a surprise you'd consider this, but Justin Steele's emergence as, you know, the ace of the staff and oh, good becoming legit Cy Young contender, I mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. have that on my board at the beginning of the year. Well, like the firing of David Ross in the pleasant surprise category, too, for that matter. Right. Yeah. That was really – that was a nice thing to see. I mean, I, I – did attend the game on Labor Day of this year against the Giants. It was him and Logan Webb matched up, and Logan Webb was another guy who was in the Cy Young conversation. I think he might have finished a little lower than Justin, but I thought at the end of that game, he had, he pitched like either eight or a complete game shutout. I thought at the end of that, he was like the leading horse for the Cy Young, and then his last few starts in September, eh, not all that great. Yeah, he, he didn't sort of tail off, I remember. Are we bullish on Steele next year, or is there a little bit of a regression, or what? Uh, what's the hunch? I feel like, you know, after the workload he had this year that, you know, he's been stretched out enough to the point where it's something that he can sustain. I mean, he he's not a crazy big strikeout guy. He's, he averaged just over a strikeout an inning last year. The nice thing with him is that, you know, he has arguably the best middle infield and uh, defensive middle infield in baseball behind him, too. The, the thing I liked about him was for all the bonded pitching infrastructure stuff, apparently the thing that turned him around was early in the season, he got a phone call from John Lester 
Lester watched one of his starts, and John's like, you know, you you pitch basically like me. Why don't you just do this? And he, like, gave him a tweak, like, over the phone. Because he only throws two pitches. And whatever it was, it immediately worked. So it just cracked me up that for all the money they spent on it, one of their former (laughs) players just called a guy up and completely turned his season around. (laughs) I'm sure uh, if I were Johnny, I would have sent an invoice to the Cubs, which I'm sure they would have lost immediately under a desk somewhere. Whoops. I I thought I saw that. We'll, we'll We'll look for it, John. Don't worry about it. I saw a headline. Uh, I did not get a chance to read it, but um, just because of, I guess, all the tumultuous storylines, the Daily Herald asked, was this the worst season in Chicago sports history? And I don't know how they they went about like trying to prove that, but it didn't seem that bad to me. I mean, th- there's lots of weird little stories and disappointments, but at the same time, I mean, I, I can remember when everybody was terrible and nothing happened, like in terms mm. of newsworthy yeah, yeah. things, and it seemed like there was no hope whatsoever. I don't get that same feeling about the state of Chicago sports. No. In I mean, just on the surface, the Blackhawks got Connor Bedard this year. The mm-hmm. the Bears have Bears now have two. They got two number one picks in twenty twenty three. Yeah, um, in one calendar year, the Bulls made the play in tournament and actually won a game. How prestigious is that? The yeah, Cubs, for the second straight year, had the fifth best record in the second half in the National League. Can't yeah. dismiss that. Uh, and the Bears, well, you know, Bears won seven. The Bears was one. Yeah, probably just the Bears won seven games this year. This then then twenty twenty three in that calendar year. They've done a lot yeah. worse than that. Cubs over five hundred. Uh, the Bears on the rise. The Bulls squeak in the play. It's a lot of mediocrity, but like. I mean, I'm gonna, ref- yeah, eighty. I feel like 1982. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's there are some. It's hard to align them. We've talked before that there was like 1997. Now, granted, yeah, there's a Bulls championship in there, but it was also the year that the Cubs went 0 14, the Bears went 0 7, and the Blackhawks didn't get a. You know, they they went like winless in their first 12 games and. You know, the Sox traded, uh, you know, the, the white flag trade. But then that's offset by the Bulls in the midst of the greatest dynasty ever. So, like, I don't know if it's if, if you measure it up, like, through all the quantity. It's a lot of mediocrity that we went through this year. But off the top of my head, without taking a deep dive, it does not feel like the most like the most miserable year for all four Chicago sports or five Chicago sports teams. I feel like from the mid-70s to the late 70s, all those years were worse. I mean, a little bit before my time, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I just say, like, 70, 78, like, you know, Cubs, Bears, no, nobody does anything. The Bears are, you know, uh, you know, six, you know, six and eight or, you know, whatever. I mean, like, the, Artis Gilmore hadn't come to the Bulls yet, but it was after Norm Van Lair. You guys, you could find some pockets that were worse than this. So I wouldn't, uh, I would, I would just instinctively, without even deeply examining it, throw this year out. Yeah, I think it was, it's more in common with like 70% of the seasons, I feel like. I think it was 99 was the last year. Every team in Chicago all missed the playoffs. Ooh, good one. So. Okay. So that's uh, Gerard's first year. They were The Bears were like at a pretty historic low. The Cubs in 99 it was finally the end of Jim Riggleman. They were bad. Sox were – I mean, the Sox were a year away from winning the division. But, yeah, they – uh, at least in the, the case Bulls, of the, 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 case of the Bulls and the Cubs, Bulls you had a little so bit of a glow from yeah. the Bulls season so prior. The Bulls, that was yeah. uh, that was Cornell David and Delabor Bagarich. And, yeah. Oh, my God. 
And I know the Hawks didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, either. yeah like you said none of them made it. So, like right there, 99 is a worse season than this because there was bleak. There was no hope. There was not anything to look for. Other than like the mouse fart that was Dick Duran being slightly better than Dave Wanstead, there really wasn't a whole lot to look forward to, I feel like, for most of the teams. But But then again, were the feelings at that point going into that Bears season – were they looking a little bit more positive? Yes, from because they... we had Gary Croton and the uh, and the, uh, the newfangled offense for, for from the weeks. botched coaching right. hire of Dave McGinnis, though. Like, right. were there? St- right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That yeah. that's a 1999 starter, yeah. one of the most incompetent uh, coaching hires across any of the sports. So yeah, I, it was hard to get uh, rallied around that team because I remember looking at Jaron, I was like so just like so disgusted with the whole McCaskey ineptitude and incompetence. I'm thinking, I'm looking at Jerron going, God, why did you have to take this job? You moron. You're that desperate because you, why could you just drag this on and humiliate this dumbass family even more? <laughs> you know, you know, but then eventually we got a little optimistic by the fall. I remember when we talked, we talked about this on remember this crap and I thought about it later. Dave McGinnis didn't play that right at all. No. Like when you when you're driving to the airport and you hear an announcement that you're the new coach of the team and you haven't accepted the job yet, you have the Bears by the balls so much. You yeah. don't tell them no. You just you double what they offered you. Right. And you're like, so yeah, you assholes, do you want to go tell the media that I'm not your coach? Good call. It's like He's no, yeah, I mean, ass, maybe. And then if the maybe. idea is, well, he knew he got a better job. He coached the fucking Cardinals. He actually no. worked for the Bidwells, who are worse yeah, than the McCaskies. Yeah. It, it was only after he out he outlasted Vince Tobin. Like yeah. that was like that was hardly any kind of a you know better better move for him. Yeah. I mean, he did get to finally coach, but you're right. I didn't think yeah, about should, that. That's a great call because. We all remember that day. I mean, he, he was all red ass, like I mean, leaving think, there. And, think of what Michael would have line. done to avoid that getting out. He would have paid you. Yeah. He would have paid you out of his own pocket. Not a lot. <laughs> he'd, he'd, person, yeah. well, no, he'd have given you George's he Camry. You want to hear? Because, he'd throwing in the Camry. I don't know. If, I don't know if Michael McCaskey knew that his his mm. his, his dear old mother would would fire him for that, but turns out she would. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, McGinnis. McGinnis should have ghostbustered that thing. Dave, if someone asks you if you're the Bears coach, you say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, no, it's, it's, you don't get all indignant and like, well, I can't, yeah. I can't, I, you know, and he's a good old boy too. I mean, you would have thought he would have done none of that, you know, it's kind of, yeah. I always liked Dave. He seemed like a good guy, but it's a little foghorn yeah. leghorn. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I say, I say, I can't work for that team. Like, no, you can't. Yeah. You're a foot. You're you're going to be a head coach of the NFL. You're going to coach summer for three years and get canned. So just get make as much money as you possibly can. Those rubes have to pay you now. They screwed themselves. Take advantage of it. His agent should have got fired for that. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't have an agent. Yeah, well, yeah, that would fit. The Bears didn't have a general manager. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that was going to be my joke about the Bears fucking up the. They would have fucked up the Terry Bradshaw thing anyway. It's like, well, who's the GM there? <laughs> well, that was the that was the other thing that led to that whole uh, snafu. Is that when they finally hired Wanstead, you know, they were like, I remember reporters at the time would like I'd go on the score and like like talk about it after the fact that like McCaskey stood up there and he's like, 
Well, Mark Hatley will be in charge of the coach. And, like, Hatley was, like, visibly surprised yeah. because he was not general manager. He was a player of pro personnel because of their cockamamie decision after they got rid of uh, Jerry Venisi in 86 to operate without a general manager for 14 years so they could save a few bucks or whatever. But then they still kind of squeezed Mark Hatley into that role. So it's no wonder that whole fucking hiring was a, was a debacle, you know, from, from the beginning. I mean, were they that inept just because the old man – just did everything and when yeah. he died they just they had no structure and they didn't have anybody there who knew how to create a structure it had to be right well it had to be coupled with the fact that mugs died early too and no but mugs, think, mugs was a fail son that's the thing like that's a little bit revisionist w- was he not learning under the wings of old man hallis at all no, he was a puppeteer the old man okay. just was insistent on running the show well see that would be very I, mugs, like, that would be very mark davis like because even though he was going to inherit the team, Al never fucking told him anything. He didn't want to waste yeah. his time explaining shit to Mark. Mark was the just the dope who ate at P.F. Chang's all the time and drove a minivan and got the world's worst haircut. And Al didn't give a shit. So when Al died, and they weren't doing great under the last years of Al, Mark didn't know what the fuck to do, and he still doesn't. And the Raiders have been The Raiders have, like, we're talking about that we make fun of the Lions. The Raiders have had, like, one winning season in the last, like, 20 years or something. It's a, it's been embarrassing futility. And a lot of that is because Mark doesn't know what to do. And he's not bright enough to just hire somebody and get out of the way. He feels like Sounds he's Al Davis's kid. He's got to like run things, even though he doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. But just wait till, wait till Vag dies and, and George is drunk with power. And he really takes <laughs> it. <laughs> no. My theory was that the old man, the grandpa, like was so uh, uniquely elite that he just sucked up all the DNA, all the positive <laughs> DNA. Because, like, yeah, I thought Muggs is a failed son. Virginia, like, she marries the guy that was basically her dad's limo driver, and then he produces a bunch of kids. And, and go figure, out of like twelve kids, not a single one of them can like seem to like possess any of grandpa's whatever. Well, and George didn't like it, right? Wasn't That's that what the... I mean. Yeah. He was like, you married I, a fucking I mean, George was just a force of personality. You know, he was like a football guy and like running this thing. So he probably wasn't the greatest husband, father, or whatever. He was just like, and so I could like, if you look at the history, of, it wasn't like Muggs was anything special. I just like, you know, um, it's, uh, it's just, we're cursed with like all the leftovers. It is funny though. I watched. Uh, I just finished watching the final season of The Crown, and the last and the last two seasons where you've got old Queen Elizabeth. Every time I watch it, she's it's she's Virginia Hallis McCaskill. Every time I watch it, and so I just I feel like you know I mean Dominic West is way too suave to be Prince Charles, but he's way way too suave to be George. But I'm like watching it like casting like the Bears family as you know. <laughs> Uh, but that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I signed a deal with Netflix. I'm gonna make. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a crown style show about the Bears. It's gonna start with with the old man dying, and then. I like so, it. It's gonna be John, nice. Jonathan, Jonathan Price will play George Howe's dying. Basically, <laughs> is that? Oh, yep. good call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So. Uh, one of us has to go here in a few minutes, so it's it's time to make our. Uh, does anybody have any fearless predictions for 2024? 
I'll go first. Just uh, just staying consistent with my 40-year anniversary parallel of uh, of the Bears going out on a non-playoff season on a high note by knocking out the Packers. Uh, the 2024 Bears will play the NFC Conference title game. Ooh, wow. Just I like, like the that. 84, just like the 84 Bears. I like that. All right. Mine is going to be that the Craig Council-led Cubs make the playoffs. And then, like, pretty much all of the Craig Council teams don't win a playoff game. <laughs> and lose to the eventual NL pennant. That's right. Whoever they draw, you're going to the World Series. Congratulations. You've, you've beaten right. Craig Council. You get to go to the World Series. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. One of you guys got one go-ahead. I hadn't really thought of one. I predict. I predict. I predict. I predict that whatever the Bears do, it will be the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a fearless prediction. That's That's a shock. That's really chilling, though, because I mean, like, you guys broke it down. There are three things that they can do. They can, uh, they can take the top pick. And like do whatever they could trade field like and like there's there's so many situations where they could still go wrong like you can't, they they take the topic and it's a bust they trade fields also and he becomes takes another team to the Super Bowl while their guy sucks like they're in any scenario things can go right things can go wrong uh, Dave's prediction chills me because it feels like no matter what they do it's going to be the wrong one right that was my you whole guys theory. had an entire conversation about how they're I don't want to say they're all inbred whatever it's like the British family, but uh, there, there's no hope in the front office whatsoever. Let's put it like that. I feel like now that Kevin Warren is there, in spite of Ted Phillips, that maybe in spite of everything else, they, maybe they, yeah, but if they, they let him or don't get in the way. This yeah. is what it's like being a Bears fan that yeah. like that you win in spite of these other factors, not I mean, because think, of anything. I think I think Kevin is basically there to build a stadium, and he's doing a hell of a job so far. I live four miles from Euclid 53. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't look any different. Yeah. I'm about 10 miles away right now. And, yeah. Yeah. and I think the I think the benefit of having him there is it's George is another level removed from any actual football input. And and the guy in between him is is not is not Ted. It's not Ted. So in case right. in case there is a right. football decision, I think we feel better about Kevin than Ted. Yeah, he's not not spending yeah. you know eight and a half hours uh, calling up the park district and bitching about you know they want thirty two percent of the parking well, revenue instead of instead of twenty eight percent of the parking revenue. Uh, and imagine if they did fire Aver Flores. It's like, okay, call uh, Ernie Corsi. He's dead. Call Bill right. Foley. He's the, dead. Who's, who's the, the next guy? No. That we, we have to connect with our general manager to make a decision. I mean, I, Ernie. Did Ernie Corsi die? No. No. And, uh, but, uh, and even if he does, through, his, hair, like his hair piece will live forever. You could just use that. That could be the, you know. He just, just stick his, hair, stick his hair piece. Remember himself. remember the, uh, the, Mar- the uh, Dick Van Dyke show? Where Mary accidentally um, outs Alan Brady as being bald, wearing a toupee, and he's got all the he's got all the little mannequin heads with the with all his different toupees. He's like, one's kind of shaggy. He's like, here's the hey, Alan looks like you need a haircut toupee, <laughs> and then here's hey, Alan, you look like you're starting to lose your hair toupee. And he had like all the different versions of it. They'll just have one of those mannequin heads with Ernie's uh, hairpiece <laughs> on it, and they'll just consult it. They'll be okay. George, we'll ask you a question. You ask the hairpiece. When the hairpiece answers, let us know. And there's George locked in a room with a toupee while the adults try to hire a coach. 
Mike, this isn't sports, but are you going to have to go back on strike because of AI? Uh, probably my guess would be, yeah, our next contract's up in two and a half years. And I think, um, that'd be a bold prediction that, that, uh, yeah, I think we, well, we don't have to get into that, but I, I think we left the lines too, too early. I think we're too, our, I didn't mean to be on the like, spot for that, but I've been wondering. No, but you coach yeah. a prediction out of it. Yeah. Well, I'll give, I'll give a sports related prediction. This is just to irritate Andy. Um, all right, good. That <laughs> Ian Happ's going to win the MVP. Is that your prediction? No, 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 it's not that bad. Oh, no. Not that bad. Uh, if the the Packers game will have an outsized influence on the Bears' future. If the Bears beat the Packers, all three of Bluce, Justin, and Getze will be back. And if they lose, one or more will be gone. And the details of that story will come out in the weeks following. That we'll learn how if much. If they lose. Yeah, they will learn how. Right. Well, no, either way, they will learn how much that game had an impact on. Okay. That's my prediction. Yeah, and I the, mean, the, North, the, part, North, the reason I got irritated when we talked about the other night is just that it does. George's weird obsession with the Packers right. does worry me. Yeah, like he, right. they don't it, have like a normal like. I mean, fans, we hate the Packers and blah blah blah. We can get on with our lives after we bitch about it for a little while. Where George, it's to, his priorities are all wrong, like. Yes, we want to beat the Packers, but it's far more important to actually, like, the team continue to improve. But I don't know that it's that way to George. He's just mm-hmm. a yeah. duck. Mm-hmm. I'll grant it. Right. Like, ordinarily, that would be such a stupid, like, and obviously you're not even saying that it's something that should happen. You're saying that. Right. Because George would be such an emotionally driven meatball that uh, that could factor into it, which is, again, very chilling. It's a very yeah. depressing um predictions here we could get a clue as to how threatened by the bears resurgence the packers are if when the bears show up on sunday we get in their locker room if there's a if there's a load of horse manure in the in the locker room that was a vince lombardi special right where he dumped they dumped the manure in the bears locker room i didn't hear that story i never heard that about no i never heard that my companion story to that was my one of my favorites and this is back when the days when the bears were you know could actually beat the packers um, Paul Hornig told the story about the Packers are in their locker room and Lombardi's going up and down. He's getting ready to give his big speech. And there's a knock on the locker room door. And they kind of stand around and, like, and they go back to the thing. And they hear a knock on the door. So they go over and they open it. And they open the door and there's Hallis standing in the doorway. And he goes, and he's like, oh, he's like, coach, can I help you with something? And Hallis is like, yeah, uh, Vince, I just want to make sure that uh, you get your team ready because we're going to kick your ass. And he turned and walked out. I want the fluce to do that on Sunday. Whatever, yeah. Knock yes. on Matt LaFleur's door. And go, I hope you're ready because we're going to kick your ass. I thought you said you were going to say the Packers are going to pull a Hayden Fry and paint the locker room pink. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Or when Fluce does it, the guy's like, sir, this is the boiler room. <laughs> now, the janitor's closet. Ian Happ could have played for John Makovic. You know, you know the, whole, the reason behind that was – the Illinois that year, they had like some specialist came in, that was a like psychologist, and they they had this like color, this pale blue that they would they would like post like on when they they had their locker room and champagne painted that color, and it was like a calming thing. It was kind of like a meditation. They were before the game, they were supposed to to observe the blue, and then apparently they had these posters they would take on the road. And so when Hayden heard that, that's why he painted the locker room pink. 
so that they couldn't do their stupid little visualization. It's basically the football equivalent of the stupid dots in Ian Happ's helmet that he has to stare at before every at bat. <laughs> and then the thing about those dots is Marquis wanted poor little Taylor. You know, first it's like, Ian, can I interview your dad? He's like, no, he's not here. And she said, oh, can we like show the dots? And he wouldn't let her. <laughs> he was not allowed. He was not, she was not allowed. They couldn't take a shot of the dots. Apparently it's proprietary. You can't yeah. stare at Ian Happ's focus dots in his helmet. Boy, that would have been great television, too. Typical yes, yeah. Sure. Oh, they could have turned that in. They would have had to go over five times during the game for updates oh, yeah. on the dots. Let's take a look at the Man. dots now. <laughs> I think how sad all his dad's in attendance would have been. <laughs> yes. When They're they do that players' her. weekend thing where they get to wear the special shoes, who could have the dots on his Nike? Oh, ah, they're getting very excited about that. All right. Did we all make our prats? Did you make your fearless prediction? I'll, Last one. I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw one out there, and I'll I'll represent uh, my demographic as the young guy here. Uh, Ouch. It, will it be uh, – is it the convention in which uh, the Cubs Hall of Fame will be voted on? Yes, or they will announce, they will announce the, the next inductees into the Utility Tunnel of Fame. Okay. Sammy gets in. Oh, okay. there we go. And and he's going to make an appearance at Wrigley Field this year. He may have to Will play. He, make it a- he may need. They may need to give Sammy at bats at this point. Yes. <laughs> That's a good prediction. I like that. I mean, it's it's if they don't do it, it's this year because this is like when I had Greenberg on the pod last time we talked about. They're to that point now. They got they did the Dunstan and Grace, and the next year they're supposedly going chronologically. Because I predicted it was going to be Derek Lee and Ramos Ramirez, and he said no. That would have meant they would have they would have jumped ahead too far. Like this should be Kerry Wood and Sammy Sosa. That's who should get announced next weekend. Right, and is it's it, very likely still, to be and, Kerry Wood and Mickey Morandini. <laughs> oh, of course, no. not back. Posthumous. Is there still a? Uh, is there still an empty uh, yes. statue base? Okay. Yeah, now they're not going to announce a statue because um, we got to we get to see the Sandberg statue this year. Okay. Oh, last year they yeah, announced right. it. Yeah. And hopefully at the convention they're going to unveil what it what it's going to look like. Because you would, you I would think, think they did that with Fergie. I think the the second one that you got to see like the artist rendering of what the statue was going to be. And we've talked about the fact that those statues, whoever they hire. He's really good. Like those, they, those are really good yeah. statues. Except for, and this, the guy who does them now didn't do Harry being pulled the out of the bowels of hell by uh, fans. The, the, the Harry from all the screaming, anguished fans uh, so from bad. the gate that ate circle of hell. But I mean, I have a definite, I have a picture in my mind, in my mind's eye, I have the Sandberg statue. I mean, it's him at the podium with Cindy and her corn the corn cob dress. He's, he's um, looking over uh, with David Martinez on the back. I see him. Yeah. It's the he's got, he's he's got like his right foot in the air and his left foot is just yep. off the bag and he's making the pivot and he's throwing it first and he's got the, the yep. flip down shades are up. Yep, I mean, that's the you've, to me. That's, you've mentioned that before and I and I totally can yeah, picture it in my mind's eye. He said, and that there can be no other one. Yeah, he was a historic power hitting second baseman, but he was probably one of the greatest defensive second baseman ever. Yeah. And and like and things like that, like taking the pivot from short. You know, there's one that probably is the one that leaves the impression on our mind, but he did that obviously probably almost a thousand times. 
Well, and they've got they've got Billy and Ernie batting, and they've got Sano throwing, and then yeah. Fergie's pitching. Fergie pitching, yeah. So another fielder, which makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, I mean, the Sammy statue is, which they'll never have ever. A hop. Would be the hop. <laughs> yeah, it would be a really cool statue. Um, we we sure wouldn't be him handing over money to Manny Alexander. It's just him and Manny and eighty thousand dollars in a towel just disappearing out of a hotel lobby. <laughs> you know how they have the, that Bob Newhart statue down by Navy Pier where you can sit yeah. on the couch? They have one where you can sit next to Manny and you can take the eighty thousand out of the towel. You can just take it. It's coupons to the gift. Sh- it's 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 six percent off at the gift shop on Tuesdays in November. But you can take that right out of the towel. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this was a lot of right, fun. Boys. I don't know why we only do this once a year, but uh, you know, maybe we don't want to. Don't push a good thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I want to th- sincerely thank all of you for wasting an incredible amount of time during the year talking to me. Uh, I oh, enjoy, thank I enjoy, you for having me. I enjoy it very much. That's my pleasure. I appreciate Glad it all of you. Wouldn't want to waste it any other way. Yeah, it's the best way to waste. <laughs> so now, Dave, are you off to talk your Hall of Fame ballot on another podcast? I think I already did that. Okay, good. Uh, but it will be like Minnesota Twins related if that gets your juices. Oh, wow! So Part we're of locked you, on Twins now. Do we think we think you, did, you vote, did you vote for Joe? Yeah, I voted for Joe. Good for oh. you. Nice. Is this? Do we think Joe's going to get in, or is this one of these where he gets so close this year that it's inevitable he gets in next year? Uh, definitely to the second thing, and and he's doing so well, much better than I expected. I thought there would be a lot of curmudgeons who. Oh. Uh, I mean, then there's. There are reasons why. Is that because he DH so early? Is that the deal? Yeah, well, first base. He moved yeah, to first, yeah. 30 years old. Stop so playing catcher, I should say. First base, yeah. Uh, he, for, for games caught, he's really low on the list. I mean, there's there's reasons to not vote for him, but I think there's more reasons to vote for him, and so that's why I did. Did he catch nice. more games than Josh Figley? Uh, yeah. Oh, and then, he's then he's in. That's yeah. No, he's a shoe in. Right. All right. Well, thank you guys. All right, boys. Cheers, fellas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, guys. All righty. Many of us have herpes. 